Good morning, and welcome into the Blitz live here on Fan Run Radio, live in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. I'm Charlie Collier, back behind the board. It's Sam Beard, and we are here with you for the next couple of hours, getting you to your lunch break on this Tuesday, December 19th. What is going on? Your microphone is extremely high, Charlie. Yeah, I know. This is I was top of your head. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, I was, um, I was, I was texting John about something. I, I was had an idea, and then the intro started playing. And I was like, "Oh shoot!" You know, I, it's time to do that thing where you know I wish people good morning, and we start talking about sports. And I looked to my left, and this microphone is really high. Who was in I, that chair? Was nobody in that chair? I guess this nobody was in this chair. Okay. So the last was so Jake Miller was the last person in this chair. Like I, I'm What's having he doing? To, I'm having to sit up high. Is he wearing and, a? And Jake's like what three inches, four is, inches smaller than me. Is right? he? Is he in a in like a uh, booster seat? Like how tall is Jake? Like what five ten? Yeah, about maybe five. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm really bad at judging height. Like to me, you're either five two or six foot. Yeah. I, I struggle with that too. As taller people, Charlie, to me, it just feels like everyone is six foot tall in my world. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're either like, if you're a man, to me, you're either six six, six foot, or five six. Yeah. If you're a woman, to me, you're either five two or five eleven. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. There, there are no other heights in uh-huh. my world. Yeah. In my own head, I'm six foot. Same. And I'm actually, I mean, we're both 6'2". In my head, you're also 6 foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just the cutoff, you know? Yeah. It's like... Just like, ah, oh, you're 6 foot. Oh, he's he's tall. He's 6'6". Six, six. Oh, what he's if short. we just made height he's like five, that? Six. Would that be a <laughs> way to... Round it, around, round it off. Yeah, would that be a way to help shorter guys feel better? Probably. Well, unless they're getting rounded down to 5'6". Maybe something in between. I think 5'8". You know, you're either 5'8 or you're 6 foot. 5'8", 6 foot, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, yeah. There's only three heights a man can be. And you just got to tell people, like, the disparity in between those heights are that you are. But they got to, like, if they want to, if they really want to prove it, they're going to have to pull out, like, a measuring stick or something. NFL Combine would get a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Even on, like, official websites, they're either just listed as 5'8", 6'0", or 6'6", and then we don't find out their real measurements until that day Mm -hmm. at the Combine. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Just imagining Brock Osweiler. Well, he's like already six six, isn't he? Yeah. Like, so if I six three, do they go to six foot or do they go to six six? Mm. Or they just just depend on how tall they look. Is it more of an aesthetic? I think the team can choose. What about just in general? Ah. Uh... Then that's maybe when you start getting like really specific. Like if you're over a six three and a half, then then you're six six. But if it's like six three and like a little bit of pocket change, like I think you're down to six foot. What a dumb thing that we're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, I just started thinking about that. I was like, man, if somebody, because I'm sure every day this happens at some point somewhere. Somebody turns us on for the first time in their lives and maybe the only time. Easily. I do think about that every once in a while. There's a little bit of pressure there. It's like, man, there's somebody right now that has never heard us before. 
that is like, who are these two guys? And the impression that we're making is, let's just make all heights three heights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder, like, strong what do start. those people think? It's a strong start. Well, if you are one of those people, hello, I'm glad you're listening. Uh, my name's Charlie. Back there, Sam. <laughs> we do talk about sports we sometimes. Do talk about, we talk about a lot of sports, I'd say. I'd say if you power rank the shows on how much they talked about sports, the drive is clearly number one. They talk about sports the most. Uh, I would say we might be number two. Okay. Us or three and out, I would say, might be number two. Yeah, I feel like three and out might edge us out just because they get the extra hour. They get the know? extra hour, but if you want to go straight percentages, I don't know. They, they get into some other stuff. I've, I've, like, I've heard whole hours where – Sports talk they, per minute, you think we're higher? Yeah, I think so too. I would put us – I would probably put us at two. Okay. Then I would put three and out three, overtime – Four and talk sports, ironically enough, would be the one that talks sports the, <laughs> the least. least. But yeah, glad to have you here. Yeah. Uh, before, we usually, you know, we usually spend this first segment kind of just getting our thoughts of the day out there before mm-hmm. we, we really dive into the, the sports content. So that's what's going on now. Speaking of, Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today. Turn doing my mic good. off real quick so I can move this down okay. without making a um, Yeah, I'm doing pretty solid. I mean, you know, I... Honestly, didn't watch much of this football game last night, and I'm really mad at myself because it seemed like a really good finish. It seemed like a really good finish, but I couldn't. Uh, my roommate, one of my roommates, is leaving, going off to you know he graduated this semester, so he's going to work. So then we went out to to Mexican last night and had a nice little meal, had a couple beers, listened to uh, some guys at the at the table, kind of like across from us. They were talking about like. Joe Milton getting drafted and just like NFL football and it was just funny because like it's like four of us you know it's just like 22 year old kids like still in college just like chopping it up but then it's just us in the future at that same table it was just a 25 person table of like dads wives kids all of it and the dads are just at the end like man like I I don't know man you know I don't know who's gonna draft Joe Milton (laughs) it just Made me think about how that's going to be me in like 35 years, 40 years maybe. I'm excited. It was a uh, it was a good Monday night game. I had fun watching it. Shout out Drew Locke. Shout out Drew Locke. I like Drew Locke. I always kind of have. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen a backup with so much confidence. He's the man. Yeah. Uh, shout out Drew Locke. It was a fun game. Um, I had a good time watching it. I uh, had a nice little evening. Very chill Monday. I thought I had a game to broadcast. Yeah, and then and you didn't. I found out uh, like it wasn't on the schedule for producers, so we didn't have a producer. So I didn't have a game to go broadcast, and I decided, you know what? Thought I was working. Now I'm not. I'm not gonna do anything. Uh, so I watched. First of all, I don't know. Have you ever heard of the movie Safe? I don't think so. 1995. Safe. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, Julianne Moore, the lead actress. Um, rated pretty high, all things considered. I think it was like 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. On Letterboxd, it had like four-ish stars. Todd Haynes directed it, kind of like a psychological thriller, horror type movie. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Nice. Uh Quite frankly, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. If 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 someone says, "Hey, 
You guys want to watch Safe? You should probably just do anything else. All right. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, this might just be a, me being a young kid, but, like, unless it's just, like, a certified classic, like, I try not to watch movies that are in, like, the 90s. Is that a... I think that's a bad take. Maybe it is. I also, I had a... One I just my, feel like it's, all, it's way too... I, I'm getting into the range of it being a bad movie better than a good movie most of the time. I just had a friend say, like, it was... It should be considered a classic. He's like, I'm surprised more people don't. Hmm. In his review, so I don't know. He's he's more of a like an an artsy kind of movie guy though. Like he really he dives all over the place. I will too, but I, I just my impression of the movie was like this is the kind of movie that theater majors and like film majors and cinephiles all tell themselves was a really good movie because they're embarrassed to say that it sucked. Because the acting was fantastic. The the shots were beautiful. Okay. The directing, amazing. Uh, the score, perfect. Like, like all of those elements were great. Some really creative sh- camera work. Like, I, I thought it was shot wonderfully. But all of that can be at 100%, and it, it wouldn't affect the fact that the story just absolutely was terrible. It was the least compelling hour and 59 minutes of a story I've ever seen in my life. Painfully boring. So it doesn't matter how good the acting was or how well it was shot for me. It was just that was the least interesting story I've ever watched. I'm just looking at the pictures of this movie. I would never watch this in my life. I don't know how it got added to my watch list, but Shuffle told me to watch it, so I did. And uh, just awful. Awful, awful, awful. Truly terrible. I, I like. I found myself like checking, pausing it at times just to see how much it had left. Do you not just scrap it? I didn't want to scrap point. it at some, because at that point I was just I was in. I was in. You're just into a bad movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know I still want to get a conclusion. Maybe it's going to go from bad to average with like a good final act. I don't know. Like, if I'm going to sign up to watch it, I'm going to watch the whole thing. I guess. I'll turn off a movie in the first 10 minutes or not at all. But I've rarely turned off a movie in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> that feels like turning off a game in the first drive, Charlie. I would never do that. Exactly. Right. I would never turn off a movie in the first 10. Like, I, I would rather scrap it an hour and a half in. For me, it's like... 10 minutes in. I'm probably not ever going to scrap develop. it, but if, if if in the first 10 minutes I can tell, like, this is going to be awful or, like, this isn't – this is, like, low-budget, poorly produced, like, something like that, I'll, I'll scrap it. Um, but it was bad. Okay. It was really bad. I had a good rest of the night, though. I watched uh, most – like, half of the of a Kill Tony episode with, uh, with Sam Talent from last week and a guy that was pretending to be Dr. Phil. And it was close to the hardest I've ever laughed for 45 minutes. I told you. Yeah, I, I still have half of it left. So oh, I'm really? Excited. You should watch that today. Yeah, right? I was going. Well, I was going to finish it last night, and then uh, and then my buddies hit me up to go play NHL, so I hopped on with them. And then I just played World of Shell, just some NHL while I watched uh, Monday Night Football on the other TV. Just great night, really. Yeah, the uh, great night. The Doctor Phil bit from from him is hysterical. I was crying, laughing. We'll be right back. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was uh, I was there for for Sam Talent, and I ended up 
enjoying Dr. Phil. Yeah, being more. there for Adam. Have you ever seen, like, I've never watched Adam Ray's comedy before. No, I've never watched Adam Ray or Dr. Phil, and no. I want to go watch all of it now. Yeah. But I was crying laughing. Like, tears came out of my eyes laughing. He sounds like him. Like, it's a really, it's really good. good impression. It's yeah. really good. It's a hell of an impression. I also, I bought Sam Talent's book yesterday. <laughs> okay. I'll give it a read, see what's up. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, pretty good day. Besides, Old Dominion, are you kidding me? So that is Blowing a 28 nothing lead, are you kidding me? We're talking about not turning off games in the first, like, two drives, but I saw Old Dominion go up, what, 21-0, and I turned 28, it off. 28 yeah, nothing. Yeah. I turned it off at 21, um, and then figured out that at Western Kentucky won the damn game. Not happy about it. Crazy. Not happy at all, as someone that had ODU for a high amount of confidence points in my bowl pick em. Not mm. happy. At all. Ridiculous. What are we doing? Monarchs. Choke artists. But uh, big Monday night football game last night. Shout out Drew Locke. Shout yeah. out to Seahawks. Kenneth Walker is back healthy and an incredible football player. And uh, last night delivered. Last night delivered. A great Monday night football game with an even better finish. Great atmosphere in Seattle as always. Um, Kenneth congratulations. Walker really is a, yeah. he, he really provides a just a huge difference to that team. They look like a completely different team yeah, when he's he on is, the field. He is incredible. He is one of the best running backs in football. And, uh, and last night he showed that. Um, I mean, Kenneth Walker – like should get part of Mel Tucker's buyout if he does ever get that <laughs> yeah. buyout because Kenneth Walker made Mel Tucker. Yeah, Mel Tucker is the biggest fraud on the planet. He was like pretty good at Colorado, like all right at Colorado. This would be a good got the Michigan State job, like low budget hire, like you know an, an investment type kind of guy. Like oh, people like Mel Tucker. People think he could be a pretty good coach. And then Kenneth Walker has. One of the more special seasons a college running backs had that we all just kind of ignored for what it was worth at the time. Makes Mel Tucker look good for a year. Mel Tucker gets an insane contract. Kenneth Walker leaves. Michigan State sucks. Coaches who were made by one player is a good draft we should have. That would be a fun draft. Yeah. Shout out Jimbo. Yeah, Jimbo Jimbo versus Mel is a a heck of a 1-1 debate. I think Jimbo's easily 1-1. Yeah, maybe. But uh, we'll dive into Monday Night Football on the other side because I think there are some pretty interesting storylines coming out of it. Seahawks back in the playoff race and got to start to wonder how much do we trust the the Philadelphia Eagles? Dive into it next right here on The Blitz. Can jingle bells ring, snowing and blowing up bushels of fun. Back here on the Blitz. Some Christmas tunes. It's Christmas season. We're less than a week away. That's pretty crazy. I was going to ask you, do you want to draft? We're going to do a special Christmas draft again later this week. We're going to draft multiple times this week because it's the week before Christmas. Why not? Would you rather draft uh, Christmas songs or Christmas movies today? I think movies. Movies? Yeah. I was going to – Christmas songs, Christmas movies, Christmas traditions. Just three drafts this week. <laughs> three drafts? Yeah, just – just it's a Christmas week. Christmas draft. The Christmas All draft. Around. All around. All right. Uh, Christmas Christmas songs today? Or wait, did you say Christmas movies Christmas today? movies, yeah. Okay. All right. Christmas movies today. Love it. Uh, speaking of Christmas, 
looking for a little stocking stuffer. How about some White Claw? I know that doesn't actually work. It's hard to stuff White Claw in a stocking, but metaphorically, it makes a great stocking stuffer. Yeah. Some White Claw hard seltzer. Uh, ditch the beer belly bloat this holiday season. You know, you got some long days of drinking sometimes over the holiday or some morning drinking. You don't want to drink beer all day. You don't want to be bloated for Christmas dinner. Make the switch over to White Claw. A White Claw delivers a wave of pure refreshment in a variety of flavors from the originals like black cherry and mango to new flavors like passion fruit and blackberry. Crafted using our unique brew pure process, White Claw brings a crisp taste with just 100 calories, 5% alcohol, and 2 grams of carbs. Check out your favorite retailer in store. We're online for White Claw variety packs, single flavor packs, and single serve cans. So uh, Monday Night Football last night, a pretty awesome finish, if I do say so myself. The Seahawks, game-winning touchdown. Drew, H.C. Locke to Jackson Smith in Jigba. I've always thought that Drew Locke didn't get enough of a chance, personally. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not going to sit here and say oh, he's some like world beating quarterback or he could have just been a franchise guy. But I, I given all the quarterbacks that have gotten like ample runtime in the NFL or gotten, you know, the second or third chance or just given some of the retreads we've seen, I have always found it a bit surprising that Drew Locke didn't get more run. Um, he's always somebody I've liked. You know, again, I don't think he's like a special quarterback by any means. And even last night in a win, you know, 208 yards and a touchdown. But he's just got an aura about him that I think is is really likable. He's got that, like, gutsy, love-to-play-for backup quarterback vibe that can really spark a team. Drew Locke, to me, has the confidence of Stetson Bennett, but the arm talent of someone far more talented than that, if that kind of makes sense. Like, he just feels like he's got that aura of him where it's like, yeah, I can win this game whenever I get put in there. To me, him, uh, Gardner Minshew, and like maybe one or two other guys are all kind of, in my eyes, still competing to be the heir to the Ryan Fitzpatrick throne. <laughs> yeah. The, like, just, just give me a chance and I'll go make a difference. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be Taylor Heineke for a minute, but I yeah. think that's kind of slowed. You know, he's just you, – you can't give him, like, back-to-back starts, basically. He's he's more of a reliever-only type. Um, but I think Drew Locke kind of has that vibe, and last night was a good time. Watching the Seahawks score 10 unanswered in the fourth. You know, they kept kind of getting that big stop when they needed it. They kept giving their offense a chance, and then finally – on the final drive, Drew Locke leads the Seattle Seahawks on a 10-play, 92-yard drive capped off uh, by a 29-yard catch from Jackson Smith in Jigba. Uh, they got man, little sideline, just MOR, release out to that back pylon. Drew Locke saw Smith in Jigba, had a step, dropped it in the bucket, and that was the game. That was the game. Um, obviously, you had the the Seahawks get a chance to you know maybe get in field goal range of twenty eight seconds. Uh, Hertz tries to just throw one down the field. AJ Brown and Julian Love makes quite the interception. Julian Love standing on business. Sam, <laughs> he was on NFL Network talking about Nick Sirianni 
uh, in the past talking about how he didn't really like him, how he just – I don't said, either. He said, you guys could coach this team. You know, he this is the – he's just along for the ride, basically. And, well, he got the game-winning interception. It moves the Seahawks to 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, They're right there now in the wild card race with uh, the Los Angeles Rams, who are sneakily sneaky back in the playoff yeah. race as well. Um, Seahawks currently don't have the tiebreaker, but the Vikings, Rams, Seahawks, and Saints, as well as the Bucks, who currently hold on to the NFC South tiebreaker, but uh, those four teams, all seven and seven, only two wild card spots available among the four. And right now, the Vikings and the Rams are holding on to the two two tiebreakers for six and seven. But the Seahawks, they uh, their season was on the line last night with a backup quarterback, and they beat the reigning NFC champions. Pretty pretty impressive win. Very impressive win. Yeah, I, it is. You know, and I, I think you kind of go look at that that NFC playoff picture, and you know, I, I think that Seattle is is squarely in the mix there. And I you know, I think the teams that are kind of hovering around them too have some question marks looming you know I I mean it feels like the Rams and the Seahawks are kind of the two that are going to be neck and neck for it I don't feel like the the Vikings are going to get back into it so and then you kind of just look at you know what they've got ahead of them I think the Seahawks are are in a pretty favorable position they've got three games left and they've got the Titans Steelers and Cardinals I think you got to feel pretty solid about being able to win all of those if you're the Seahawks um, especially if you've got a, a healthy Kenneth Walker now. So I, I, I do think that the Seattle team could be really dangerous kind of once you, you know, once you start thinking about wild card spots in the playoff, they get a guy like, you know, like Leonard Williams. I, I think that they've made some considerable, you know, upgrades to their roster. And I think they've got another year with, with this young roster. And, and they seem like a team that I wouldn't want to play in the playoffs. I think the Seahawks are kind of building uh, – I wouldn't necessarily say this year, but like in the next two years, I think they're building to just be that perfect roster to kind of drop in a, a rookie quarterback on mm-hmm. or a, a guy on a rookie deal. Like they they feel like the perfect roster for for that. Um, coming off of this game though, the Eagles, you know, we we saw them lose last week. Uh, we saw them lose last week to the Cowboys. The Cowboys briefly tied up the division, but you know we looked at the schedules and they, all right, well the Cowboys they have to go play in Buffalo, and you know they follow that up going to Miami. They still have to play the Lions, the Eagles. I mean, what they got to go play the middling Seahawks? What they got to play the Giants twice? Surely the Eagles they'll just they lost, but they'll still run away with it in mm-hmm. the last four. Well the. Cowboys did their job. They got whipped by the the Buffalo Bills, but the Eagles dropped this game, so Dallas still hangs on to the NFC East right now. How much do you trust the Eagles at this point? Dude, I don't think all that much right now, to be honest with you. that It's a defense to me that really seems like they're struggling. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at their rush defense in the last – and before five that, games I mean, before that it's been their pass defense right in their last five games they've allowed the Chiefs ran 30 times for 168 yards the Bills ran 40 times for 173 and two touchdowns the 49ers ran 28 times for 146 and two touchdowns 
The Cowboys ran for 32 times for 138 and a touchdown. And then last night, the Seahawks went 24 carries, 100 yard. Uh, um, I'm sorry, 24 carries, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So, uh, to me, it, you know, the story of all of the season coming in is how this Philly D line is reloading. You got guys like Jalen Carter, you got Fletcher Cox, you got all these guys, and it, it seems like a rush defense that's struggling. And yeah, like you said, it, at the start of the year, it was a pass defense that was struggling. They get a guy like Byard in the back end that they would hope shore it up. And to me, it feels like an Eagles team that is it is really limping to some wins right now. Yeah, there was a stretch where they went commanders. They had to kind of win late by a score. Then, you know, they, they were kind of fortunate to beat the Cowboys, honestly. Jake Ferguson not getting into the end zone when it looked like he did. Uh, then, you know, they were fortunate to beat the Chiefs, really. And then fortunate to beat the Bills, really. So you, you kind of had some questions like, hmm, is this – Eagles team really all that dominant you know are they really shaping up to like be that second favorite team in the playoffs well I I guess maybe they keep winning you know as long as they keep winning you got to keep giving them credit well now they're not winning which when you're not winning all of a sudden you go back and you look at some of those close results before and you analyze them a little bit further and you go maybe this Eagles team isn't quite as good as their record shows and I mean, they're losers of three straight. Nick Sirianni clearly could have been five straight too. Yeah, I mean, like, it really could have been, and maybe should have been six, five straight. Maybe five six. or six straight. That's kind of <laughs> what we're getting at. Yeah. Like, Nick Sirianni doesn't really seem to be all that comfortable either. The fact that you like secretly, half secretly, move Matt Patricia to your defensive coordinator like right before the game. Super strange. To Weird. Me. Super strange. That doesn't really give me the like everything's good signal. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't really present a strong front if you're panic switching defensive coordinators and they still come out and get torched. Not great. It kind of so, feels like an entitled team. A little you bit. You know, and, and I think the coaching staff almost feels entitled. I, I think Sirianni feels yeah. entitled. I think Sirianni was thinking he was just walking back to the Super Bowl. Or Sirianni something. was was bored with a leadoff from third base, not even just on third base. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not really. You know, he did do a good job, I think, like transforming that offense and you know building a game plan around Jalen Hurts. And I mean, if Howie Roseman gave me that roster, but though, at the like... same time, like, yeah, he had some fantastic coordinators, and Howie Roseman gave him a great roster. And now he still has the great roster, but he doesn't have the the same coordinators more is falling on his shoulders and I think you know he's starting to fail I think his arrogance kind of protrudes into the team I think so too 100 percent. you know I, I think he has a level of arrogance that hasn't been backed up necessarily and, by and his accomplishments yet and that kind of arrogance I think just starts to become just like a locker room issue when you start losing. Like I you think know, there's a like, like there's a fine line for me between confidence and like charisma and arrogance. And like to me he crosses that line. When you're totally walking agree. off the field after a regular season game yelling, "How about that Chiefs fans?" Yeah. And like nodding your head and you know just like talking the way he does on the sidelines and in the locker room, I think he's kind of crossed the line into arrogance. Completely agree. I mean, luckily they've got a pretty easy finish to the year. You know, they've got the Giants twice and the Cardinals. So if you really can't get it figured out in the next three weeks, then I think you got to be pretty concerned about the Eagles going into the playoffs. 
just feels like there's dysfunction. It does. It does. Uh, that organization right now. It, and I don't even know if it's like true dysfunction, but it just kind of feels like it just feels like a team of like little kids that are used to winning everything and like their sports team. And then they just lost a couple for the first time and they're just pouting and like, they're all pointing the finger at each other, but they're not pointing the pointing the thumb at themselves and saying, Hey, we just got to get better as a team. You know, to me, to me, the Eagles give off couple that's only staying together for the kids vibes. (laughs) Uh, Got a question for you to think about though, before we head to break, I'll ask it to you on the other side uh, again, but at this point, what race is more or is I guess most exciting to you over these final three weeks of the season? Is it one of the divisional races? Is it one of the wild card races, or perhaps uh, one of the award races? I want you to think about that. We'll answer it on the other side. Stay with us on the Blitz. All right, back here on the Blitz. Sam, before the break, I asked you, uh, what what race right now in the NFL is most exciting to you? Uh, is it one of the divisional races, one of the wild card races, or perhaps one of the award races? Uh, what's your answer? To me, it's that uh, AFC wild card. Uh, I just think that there's a real logjam there right now, kind of. You know, you've you've obviously got, a bunch of eight and six teams. You've got the Bengals. You've got the the Colts. You've got the Texans and the Bills. Um, you know, I, I just think it's some some really unique storylines. Obviously, Cincinnati is is fighting their ass off without Joe Burrow right now, and and Jake Browning seems to really have that team together, and you know, and really playing some solid football for them. So it seems like the Bengals are you know are stake, sticking around. Uh, the Colts have been a team that I think a lot of people just kind of expected to, to fall off since since Anthony Richardson had gotten hurt, and I think Gardner Minshew's done a pretty pretty solid job of of leading them as well, and and their defense has been you know kind of kind of impressive in, in you know in, in some parts of this year where they just kind of scrap out wins and they're just fighting and clawing their way to eight and six, and then you've got you know two teams on the outside looking in in, in Houston and Buffalo also at eight and six. Houston, a, a huge story of this year, obviously, with C.J. Stroud being so impressive. D'Amico Ryans in his first year as head coach over there in Houston and just really kind of flipping that team on their you know, on their head and, and turning them into a playoff contender. And now you've got Josh Allen. Uh, you know, they get the big win against, against the Cowboys uh, on Sunday. They beat the Chiefs last week. Uh, I think it's a Bills team that is kind of starting to, to find their stride maybe and starting to make a late playoff push. Uh, you know, they've got two games that, that feel like wins against the Chargers and the Patriots to end the year, and then they've got a big one uh, against Miami to finish it off. But I would not be wanting to play Buffalo right now. They have the uh, fifth-best point differential in the NFL right now. Buffalo. Yeah. Really, Plus yeah. 125. That's impressive. Uh, behind only the Dolphins, Ravens, uh, Cowboys, and 49ers. Wow. The the. The Bills' defense, I feel like, has been getting it on lately. They've been they've been figuring things out, and and their offense has obviously kind of steadied the ship a little bit. So to me, it feels like Buffalo scoots into the playoffs, kind of in one of these last wild card spots, and that just creates 
uh, a chaos scenario for me in the AFC if you've got Buffalo kind of as that last wild card coming in. The uh, the AFC wild card race is is like a bat signal to me. <laughs> yeah. Just the amount of backup quarterbacks. It's just it's chaos, chaos, <laughs> chaos. Charlie, come watch me. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Charlie, come watch Joe Flacco against Jake Browning for the last wild card spot. Come on. Yeah, you got Joe Flacco too. I yeah the the amount of backup quarterbacks right now in the AFC wild card race playing on just hilarious football is is all I've ever wanted in yeah. life. Watching Joe Flacco at fifty nine years old uh, after eighteen back surgeries decide to try to lead the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs, throwing it forty eight times a game is my favorite thing in football right now. Yeah. Um, my answer to this would kind of be the MVP race, except I just know that's going to do nothing but make me angry. Mm-hmm. Um, the discourse surrounding the MVP race gets dumber every year. Like, can we just come up with, with set criteria? Let's just start calling it most valuable quarterback and then actually create an MVP. Like, can we not have a most valuable player award where we're, we're actually just grading it on a player's value to, to the a team? team? as it relates to winning. Because then I think you can make an argument for a lot of different ton of people. people. Then I think like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel come into the fold. I would argue that Trent Williams comes into the fold. I would argue that like Panay Sewell comes into the fold. I would argue that a lot of different players would then kind of enter the conversation there in terms of most valuable. That but just instead, makes the people who Instead, vote on we're this. just like, oh, well, now Brock Purdy is the prettiest looking stat quarterback, so let's give it to Brock Purdy. <laughs> he threw four touchdowns last week. It's just, well, well, uh, someone passed the 49ers in the standings. Okay, let's give it to that quarterback. It's the worst. So, uh, my answer to this question is the AFC East. Okay. A race that we didn't really think was a race. Yeah. You know, I remember we looked. Uh, Two weeks ago, basically the Eagles play. You know the Eagles beat the Bills, and and you know the Bills played really well. And we said, well, could they make a push for uh, the wild card? I mean, for that, for the uh, maybe they could. But what about the division? Uh, probably not. You know, we went. Eh, probably can't. I mean, they'd have to win out, and they'd need the Dolphins to lose to like the Titans or something. <laughs> I remember us having that conversation. Well, uh. Don't look now, but the Bills, they went into Kansas City and won, then trounced the Cowboys, and all of a sudden, uh, two very winnable games stand between them and the Miami Dolphins, the Chargers and the Patriots. They should go 2-0 in those games. And the Dolphins have the Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills in the I was going to say, yeah, so the, the, the Dolphins had the Cowboys and Ravens. You know, they do get the Cowboys at home. The Cowboys have a hard time away from home, obviously. Coming off an embarrassment game, though, is right. that a factor? Exactly. Yeah. Like, could we see the Cowboys bounce back? You know, do we know the status of Tyreek Hill? Do we know the status of Devon A. Chain? I mean, two teams that we think are frauds, Charlie. Right. Facing it's, it's off it's against each bowl. other. Yeah, it's the fraud, it's the fraud bowl. bowl on uh, on on Christmas New Year or on, on Christmas Eve. Pardon me. Just saying, there is a pretty decent chance. I feel like uh, that the Dolphins get beat by the Cowboys and get beat by the Ravens, and all of a sudden we're looking at Dolphins-Bills, January 7th, for the AFC East. Man. You know, winner, winner is hosting a playoff game. Loser is hitting the road, and, and if Miami's hitting the road, Miami's losing the first round. 
I think 100% as well. You could even have it set up where, like, it could just be to see who hosts who the following week. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 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 Could even set up that way. Actually, it will. So, to me, I, that's that's where I'm at right now in terms of intriguing playoff races. This yeah. is one of the more I, I interesting seasons I can think of in recent history at least in terms of all the different division wild card playoff races that we have going on and to me that one is the most compelling I think just like overall parity in the league this year I was I saw something on SportsCenter and it said like 30 teams were um still in playoff contention technically through like in week 15 of the NFL and like that hadn't happened in years I mean you know a bunch of teams were not gonna make the playoffs but it does feel like there's just a, a boatload of teams that are kind of anywhere from that like seven to eight or nine wins in the you know in their season right now, and it can kind of just go any way. If you get a, a certain combination of wins or losses your way, like you might be slipping into the to the last wild card spot when you think when you're thinking you're at like nine or ten in your division right now or in your conference. It's been a great season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean hasn't been as enjoyable for us personally because you know my team dictates how enjoyable an NFL season is to a certain extent and they haven't really been very good but uh other than that not a lot of complaints for this year it's been it's been fun it's been good it's going to set up some very interesting quarterback conversations this offseason, by the way. Have you thought about that? Yeah, honestly. How crazy our like, top 32 quarterback <laughs> lists are going to get this offseason? I have no idea anymore. I feel like all the quarterbacks just like suck a fourth of the time. I feel like even like our, our, the guys that we're like, oh, these are top 10 quarterbacks, just like have one out of every five games. Or you're just like, oh, did, did the ghost of 39-year-old Phillip Rivers – like? possess your body what's going on here guys we're gonna be signing flacco to a five-year deal not showing any sign of stopping uh, who knows who knows <laughs> dude this is a it's a weird nfl season i mean who how are we gonna classify quarterbacks anymore like is it still i mean i guess mahomes Number one, obviously, that'll all that'll just be the case until he retires. But is Josh Allen after some of the early season discourse surrounding him? Is he kind of comfortably back in the top three? Maybe. Is he even maybe two now? Uh, is Joe Burrow still top three? Probably. What about Lamar? What about? I think Matthew I'd Stafford? still have Josh Logan. Allen over Lamar. What about Matthew Stafford, Loki? Is he kind of reminding people, like, hey, I'm still a top eight quarterback? I think he has been this year. How do we deal with Dak? How do we deal with Tua? How do we deal with Justin Herbert? Brock Purdy actually looks good in a second. How do we deal with Jalen Hurts? You know, at what point do we have to start giving Brock Purdy the credit of, hey, even if you are a system quarterback, you're really good at running running the the system? system. (laughs) Trevor Lawrence? kind of like hovering like the first start of the year you're like oh he's getting towards that like top five ish range and then now it's like now it's like now he's maybe outside of the top 10 like Like, you know how how do we judge cj stroud and will levis entering next year who have clearly been the two most promising rookie quarterbacks it's russell wilson with like a revamp of his season but like 
has he been great? Has he been good? I think he's been pretty solid. It's it's all very weird. Uh huh. It's all like I I feel like it's hard to form a strong opinion. Seems like a about, lot of plays team or like a lot of teams just haven't been like their their play this season almost hasn't been indicative of their quarterback play. Maybe I I just look like I think you can make an argument for Tua as a top eight quarterback, and I think you can make an argument for Tua outside the top twelve. Like I think you could do the same thing for a lot of these guys. It's just uh, it, the inconsistent play among really every quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes. And I guess even sometimes Mahomes, when he hasn't had Kelsey this year, I guess has also just been kind of eye-opening this year. Like quarterback play is just kind of down. Or maybe it's it, we've entered more of a boomer bust type era. Maybe. Maybe we're entering like the home run strikeout era of NFL quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't know. 1051 though. We'll uh catch our last break of the hour. Close down hour 1 next. Making a better him. It's not the way I had him pictured. Santa was so much too thin. Staying on this uh you know, I don't know if we could fully call it discussion. We're more just kind of dipping our toes in the water. I think this is a discussion that would deserve much more time, maybe a deeper dive, some more research prior. But uh, talking just kind of about quarterback play this year and, and how it just – how inconsistent it's felt, you know, how, how hard it is to truly judge these guys. Got a text from uh, a listener. He said, I think this year has shown the importance of offensive line play and having a good run game. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good point. You know, I, I think maybe we've gone we, – the pendulum has swung too far in the direction of – like a, a franchise quarterback being a cure-all, you know, you can drop this this contract that is a really high percentage of the cap, and you know, if you have a franchise quarterback, well, he can drive the winning and he can cover up holes, and you know, you don't have to get premium talent around him because he'll elevate that talent. I mean, maybe we've gone too far in that direction, and in teams. You know, with these franchise quarterbacks, like they're not putting enough into the run game. They're not putting enough into the offensive line play. Maybe that's the answer. I mean, Josh Allen has all of a sudden looked a lot better the last couple of weeks. I think that coincides with James Cook, James Cook and, and the Bills finally establishing some sort of run game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see the difference in even the best quarterback when he has Travis Kelsey versus when he doesn't, because Travis Kelsey is the only pass catcher worth even half a damn on that Chiefs roster. You know, Ravens look great with a balanced running attack all year. Yeah, right. You know, the it, Niners look impossible to beat. <laughs> right. You know Brock Purdy might win an MVP. And you know, we talk about like quarterbacks and talent. I mean, in terms of talent, Brock Purdy is not a top 15 guy. But in terms of performance, he might be a top like 5 guy. Right now, this year. Yeah. And and what's the difference between him and those talented quarterbacks? He has an incredible offensive line, a great scheme to play in, great receivers to throw to, Christian McCaffrey to hand it off to. I mean, it's it's a quarterback's dream. Yeah. And obviously, like that's the most extreme example of having, you know, help and talent and, and, and scheme around you, but you know, I think maybe we have gone too far in some areas with some quarterbacks of like, hey, yeah, they're just they're talented enough to cover up holes. Like you still 
have to build good team and good scheme around them. Maybe that's the answer. I don't know. I mean, like the Lions, you know, like they're ten and four and they don't have a world beating quarterback in Jared Goff. Like he's a good quarterback, but he's not, you know, top five quarterback driving the win in, patching up the holes on your team. But you look at you know, you look at Detroit and I think they've got you know, if not the best offensive line in the league, probably, you know, at least a top five unit. They go out of running back in, you know, in Montgomery. They get Jameer Gibbs early in the draft. Like, it does kind of – it does maybe seem like some teams are – it got so pass-heavy for, like, two or three seasons. It's like, all right, let's reel this back in. Like, you don't have to just pass the ball 50 times a game and, you know, and neglect other portions of your roster just to just to not run the ball. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a copycat league, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a little run there where, like, dominant quarterback play was winning – I mean – it's not it's always kind of been the case like great quarterbacks win Super Bowls but you know I think we got so focused on the quarterback aspect of it that teams like neglected some of the other parts of their roster building people tried to like replicate the like the Patrick Mahomes game plan type of thing and that just feels almost impossible if you don't have Patrick Mahomes yeah yeah like I just think everyone kind of chased their own Patrick Mahomes yeah and instead got like less creative trying to find other ways to win when you can't really chase the next Patrick Mahomes because there just aren't, aren't, any. aren't like that doesn't happen. No. There are like like finding a franchise long term quarterback is just not something that like even two thirds of the NFL will ever be able to have at the same time because there aren't enough of those guys. But I, I don't know, maybe teams got like so hyper focused on, on like finding that finding guy. a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen that They've almost gotten themselves worse instead. Like it, it, maybe it reminds me a little bit of like when Nick Saban accidentally made the rest of the SEC worse because teams couldn't ba- beat Nick Saban and they tried to chase the next Nick Saban and ran off good coaches for for worse coaches. Ten fifty eight, hour one, it's done. Hour two on deck. Got a lot coming for you. Uh, the next sixty two minutes should be fun. Stay with us on Fan Run Radio.